Gee, we ought to do something, Fred. Okay. How's about taking a nap? Hey, I got a better idea. Let's take a Winston break. That's it. Winston is the one filter cigarette that delivers flavor 20 times a pack. Winston's got that filter blend. Filter blend makes the big taste difference, and only Winston has it. Winston packs rich tobaccos specially selected and specially processed for good flavor in filter smoking. Yeah, buddy, Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. Simpson, Homer Simpson, he's the greatest guy in history. From the out of Springfield, he's about to hit a chestnut tree. Welcome to Divisive Issues, the foul-mouthed, spoiler-filled podcast about controversial comic books. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. And here we are. We made it. We made it. <laughs> We made it. We've been alive since the Stone Age, right? Yeah. Yeah. We made it is what the Flintstones say at the end of the story, am I right? Do they say that? Yeah. Well, they, well, they, they, they survived. Okay, the... so as you've gathered, we are doing Volume 1 of the Flintstones, part of DC's new Hanna-Barbera universe. I had no idea this existed, I'll be honest. When you guys were, like, saying we're doing this this week, I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> you thought we were doing, like, old Flintstones comics? I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> so what did you think? I'm curious. What did you think when we heard we were doing the Flintstones? We were, like, we were expecting, like, uh, fucking the cliche, like, typical uh, imagery, and you thought, like, we were just going to do something wacky story like God, Yes, I, I did, actually. And okay. when, I, when, I saw, when I saw Fred Flintstone's strong jawline, I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> So, a little bit of backstory. DC has published, like, Scooby-Doo comics, but, like, for, like, all ages, like, little kid, like, team-up books for a long time. But for out of nowhere, I don't know why, they just decided to launch a, like, mature Hanna-Barbera universe. Where, like, they launched it with Future Quest, which has Space Ghost and... Uh, Johnny Quest, and they have Wacky Racers, and there's a post-apocalyptic Scooby-Doo book, and they're they're also doing, like, a Snagglepuss book, where he's, like, a closeted gay actor in Hollywood, I think. Huh. It hasn't come out yet. But, uh, so the book that we wanted to talk about, and the one that I think has gotten the most attention, is The Flintstones. Yeah. By Mark Russell and Steve Pugh. And I actually recommended a Mark Russell book a long time ago called Prez that was my first and I think like his only comic book work that is yeah. an amazing political satire. Yeah, uh, Prez was a book about uh, basically like a, a girl goes viral on like Twitter and there's an election going on around the same time. So she uh, basically through all circumstances, a lot of people vote for her as a, like a, a joking vote. And she ends up winning the presidency. And in a lot of ways, it's pretty much a very uh, leftist commentary on politics yeah. which like this one is and when i started reading flintstones i was like where do i know this writer from and i looked it up and i was like oh it's the prez guy that makes a lot yeah. of sense what what, what thing is funny is steve pug uh, the artist i always thought um, it was pew but whatever pubes <laughs> uh, <laughs> good luck <one>, guys <laughs> what they find about steve pug's uh, uh art is um it actually reminds me a lot of in a weird way uh Live-action uh, Flintstones movies, like the ones with... Uh, John, Goodman John Goodman or Rick Moranis? Yeah, exactly. But, Rick Moranis um, was Barney? Yeah. Oh yeah, he God. was. 
I think it's one of his last roles before he retired. <laughs> or semi-retired, because, yeah. He, he wanted to be more picky about his roles, he says. No, didn't he retire to, like, spend time with his kids after his wife passed away? No, that's what people would claim he did, but he said in an interview, like, I, that's not true. I just, I don't pick every role that comes across my way anymore. I don't sound to fucking Flintstones anymore. <laughs> like it's Moranis, like, fact corner for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? So, uh, yeah, and Steve Pugh, I knew, or Pugs, or Pubes, or whatever, Sly. Uh, I know him. He did a horror book in the 90s. He did Animal Man when it was, like, really grotesque body horror. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So, like, I was, like, this creative team is so good. Especially, like, when I was like, it's the Flintstones. How good could this be? Wait, I want to ask Phil first. What was your reaction after you found out what this is? What was your actual quote? Uh, what is this Marxist commie bullshit? I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, I, I actually turned around to Chrissy while I was reading this, and I'm like, has was like, I haven't seen this since I was a kid, but has Flintstones always been a critique <laughs> of consumerism and democracy? No. And and she was like, I don't remember that. But it I was like, definitely hasn't. No. I was no. like, I was a kid, so I'm like, maybe I was missing uh, some adult overtones. <laughs> the funny thing is, Flintstones is was a uh, adult car- a cartoon intended for adult audiences because it was essentially a ripoff of the Honeymooners. Yeah, like, uh, that um, makes sense. And the Honeymooners, uh, you know, Jackie Gleason, the guy yeah. who created Honeymooners, he wanted to sue. The Flintstones, but he said, like, I didn't want to be the one to take Fred Flintstone off the air, so I didn't. But yeah, that, that American icon. But yeah, it, it kind like, of is. Yeah, yeah like, like he, I like guess, you know, uh, Flintstones aren't like a commentary on classicism or anything like that, but it was about the working man schlub. Uh, yeah, but and, this is like, this is one of the most heavy handed, like, like this is, this is, that's like the safe, like, TV version of what, of the, of the everyday man's struggle. This is like what, what, if you're taking it to like a practical, like yeah. realistic level, kind of. It's no, it's more. It's way more than. It's way. It's way more. Uh, like it's it's beyond realism. So I think. let's let's save that for as we go through it. Did you guys like watch the Flintstones as a kid? Yeah, I, I watched yeah. it. Yeah. A, lot. a couple episodes. I wouldn't say it was like a normal watch for me or routine watch. Uh, I think that I I had a Flintstones Jetsons crossover movie on VHS, and I think oh, I watched I had it that so too. much that the tape wore down. I don't know why <laughs> I loved it so much. Flintstones was good, I, from what I remember. Again, haven't watched it since I was maybe yeah. like ten or lo- or younger. But so I one of the things that I just wanted to point out that I found out yesterday when I was talking to uh, a local comic shop owner that this book actually I thought this was an ongoing. This is only a twelve issue series, so this is the first half of it. And I ah. think because of that, that's why they take so many chances with it and make it so, like, out there. Because um, a lot of the Hanna-Barbera stuff I thought was, like, a biggest shared universe. But I think they're just, like, trying out different series and seeing what kind of things work. And it's surprisingly – I've read, like, four different titles now. And it's surprisingly diverse and good. It's cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's probably better than a lot of uh, DC's output for like the past couple of years. Hey, DC's been killing it lately, but that's this goes back story. to our this 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 goes back to our old question of is it why not just tell a new story as opposed to resurrecting Fred Flintstone to become a Marxist? <laughs> Would we be doing it on the show if it wasn't yeah. the Flintstones? Also, yeah. another another canon point: uh, Prez, the series that me and Ryan mentioned, uh, that series got canceled after six issues, uh, and, and the final issue wasn't even part of the series. It was. As a, it was added half-assedly to the back end of another uh, popular series, Catwoman, because oh. like no one read it. Yeah, it was just like here, it's Catwoman. Hey, I, I wasn't, I wasn't saying this shouldn't be Flintstones. I'm saying it, it's an interesting, uh, yeah. you know, con- continuance of that conversation. And it's not like yeah. the Flintstones IP is like 
There's no, th- there's nothing else happening with it. <laughs> I like Archie. Archie's Archie's sacrosanct See, right no, now. No, but this is this is what's weird, and this is well, I, I haven't like um, I haven't rectified this problem. Is I'm against Archie being with zombies, but I'm cool with an anti-capitalist. Because you didn't Marxist. watch Flintstones. No, but I did. I I watched Flintstones more than I watched Archie. Or Red Archie. Yeah, that's what I find weird because you you know Archie less than you even said like during the Archie episode, the Archie was part of it, you don't yeah. know Archie that much. Your sister does, but like you're so attached. Like this is Archie. How are you doing this? These characters. And then when we do the the uh, gay episode of um, Oops, I talk politics. I mean, every episode is gay, but the one we talked about uh, uh, diversity in uh, media, you're like we can make a character anything. They could be uh, gay, black, Jewish, yeah, yeah. whatever. As long I, as it's not Archie. <laughs> Archie has to be no, a white no. male. It's, it's in that universe. It's not about taking one character. It's about pivoting the universe around a specific topic, which was realistic zombie invasion. Whereas, like the Flintstones, it feels like it makes more sense. I told Sly that I'm like I'm trying to logically find ways to be like I'm not being irrational. There's a reason not to like Archie's change, but to be okay with this change. But it might be because I'm biased and stubborn that I'm okay with Mr. this. Mr. Cognitive Dissonance over here. Based on what you were saying in the Oops episode, I feel like Archie is the exception to your usual taste. And this is more like... I feel like you like the reimagining a lot more. Yeah. Like I, Yeah, so I feel like this is more like your cup of tea and just for some reason the Archie one doesn't yeah. sit It's just untouchable. It, it, it doesn't cater to his biases. But I, I, I also kind of love... This is why I love, I love Archie and why I love uh, this book is because this is what I love about comics is comics are the only medium where you can really do this. Because no, like now Riverdale happened, right? Now you have Dark Archie regularly, but I don't think Riverdale would have happened if you didn't have the comics showing that hey, you can make this property dark. I mean, especially because it's the same writer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but I mean, like uh, a TV producer, you, like if you're pitching uh, Dark Archie, they'll be like, this probably is gonna be stupid and terrible. And like same thing with like uh, if you're gonna make a proletariat Flintstones <laughs> comic, like they'll probably the TV producer would never sign off on that. It'd be so funny if a t- like a Netflix show of the Flintstones that was this in live action. Yeah, that, that'd be awesome. Crazy. I could and, get like, into that like yeah. nobody's business. And you get John Goodman back for it too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I am hyped as shit right now. Let's talk about this book. Yeah. All right. So issue one opens up. It the story is about. Fred's boss, Mr. Slate, he, he's at the quarry. Oh, wait, hold on. Slate. I'm sorry. We usually give this description before we start. Do you guys like the art? Yeah. Yes, that's cool. I really love the art. Yeah. Okay, I really great. Like the art. We already mentioned it was like realism, but I feel like it's important to note, like, specifically, it is very good. Yeah, great use of colors. It's nice and, like, clean. It's not overly complicated. Like, it perfectly fits what this Flintstones is aiming for. Where it's like both realistic but in a cartoony world. Yeah, I was gonna say because um, when I brought up the the comparison to the movies, like because uh, when you would say like a realistic Flintstones, you might imagine it's being like uh, almost like caricaturishly gritty, but no, it's actually colorful like the movies, but it's just not, not as campy in tone. Yeah. So uh, the story opens up. It's uh, uh, Fred's boss, Mister Slate, uh, Slate's quarry. He's hired three new Crow Magnons to work for him. Actually, actually, we're, th- we're Neanderthals. Oh, they say that? Yeah, <laughs> and they? that's what sets the tone for the rest of this. Is it's like, oh, we already have we have racial humor in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Fred has to uh, show them around because uh, 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 Mr. Slade really wants to hire these guys. Uh, so Fred takes him first to the veterans meeting where they have veteran war stories and one guy's traumatized so if you remember that Flintstones like he had those big hats and they were in like yeah. some club in yeah. this it's a uh, like 
like a discussion, like a therapy group. For yeah, for like PTSD for the people that have gone. Yeah. Again, I I literally was like, Chrissy was <laughs> was Fred Flintstone a war vet in the show? <laughs> I couldn't remember. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he wasn't. But <laughs> so after the veteran meeting, uh, they the, they take the Cro-Magnons. Uh, uh, Fred goes with Barney with the Cro-Magnons. You're fucking racist. They're the Neanderthals. <laughs> <laughs> the Neanderthals. <laughs> To watch a boxing match and eat at a restaurant, and there the Cro-Magnus uh, point at a buffalo and says, "Why did we order that?" And Fred says, "You want to eat the air conditioner?" Which I found funny. <laughs> there's also this gets the <laughs> in between the scene. There's a scene of Wilma, Fred's wife, painting, and yeah. it's just handprints, like cave wall handprints. And she's like, "What do you think it means?" And the appliance, like the dinosaur that's holding up the canvas, is just like, "I think it's more about the absence of meaning." <laughs> and like, it's just the jokes are solid and yeah. like out there. They're, they're just this whole the whole series is honestly like this kind of critique on like modern society. But this issue in particular, like these Cro-Magnons are just it's showing like these are uncivilized people come into our civilization and see how they interact with modern society. Yeah, when we get to yeah. the uh, war episodes, like way it's really into what s- people that think they're civilized do to other people that they feel are yeah. not civilized. It's just like that uh, TV show with the Geico caveman, right? It's just as good. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, the Fred later takes him to the quarry to uh, try out working, and the one that came in says, "How come you wear a tie?" And uh, Fred says, "I read an article. You should that said you should dress for the job you want, not the one you have." So how long have you been wearing that tie? Fifteen years. Oh jeez. <laughs> and he's making like this deadpan, like a thousand yard stare with the turtle. Yeah. Hand. <laughs> Yeah, and so the Cro-Magnons, they hate working at the quarry, and they don't really care about the pebbles again. Oh, man, this is, this is a really good line. What do they do? What do they do at this job? Like, what does they Fred smash do? rocks into small rocks, I think. Yeah, so Fred asks the uh, Neanderthal, uh, uh, so how do you like making rock? And the Neanderthal goes, I hated it. And then they get their money as a reward, and they go, what the? And Fred tells them, it's money. And they go, what am I supposed to do with this? And he says, I don't know. Buy something someone else hated. I like how you have your Fred. Your Fred sounds more like... Your caveman sounds more like Fred than your actual Fred. <laughs> no, I was thinking my Fred sounded more like Barney. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Fred. <laughs> well, I... Well, I... I think the jokes are funny. It's like, this is where I, I meant, like, it was... It's very, like... Oh, like... It's not... This is not realism. This is, like, uh, over-the-top, like... Hey, we're critiquing this. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. buy it something is. someone else hated making. We all but hate the our lives. World is, it, it, it's not realism. Yeah. 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 Like, I think that the dialogue is very heavy handed, but I think, like, the world and the themes are way more realistic than I expected. Yes. This is more like, this is what would you imagine, like, if the French songs was actually real? Like, the animals actually have a, their, their own struggles. Like, the yeah. Ones that, that, that's what I liked about the comic is that it, it's very sharp with its critique. Like, it's very obvious and it really, like, puts it out there. And I appreciate it that it tries to, like, be so bold with a franchise you wouldn't expect this from. Like, I didn't want to read a realistic Flintstones comic. I like reading something that's just like, hey, like, normal life, the working class life really sucks. And the thing that impresses me the most as we go through it, you'll see that every issue is a totally different theme. Yeah. I mean, they're all tied in, obviously. That's why I like some of these a lot more than I like the others. Yeah, but I think that that's a testament to the book that I'm sure we all have different favorites. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, they have a party later at Mr. Slate's with a hot tub. And Slate uh, talks to Fred about fate, saying that after all the volcanoes and the wars that Fred fought in, uh, uh, 
all that anyone will remember from this area is his sign saying Slace Quarry, and that's fate. That's all that he'll, he'll be the only thing remember from this place. And so then, as they're partying, Slay asks one of the Cro-Mags to kill a nearby mammoth so they can make a barbecue. Like they're, oh, he's like fucking around with these these uh, Neanderthals. <laughs> sorry, he, fucking SJW. all these microaggressions. Yeah, but um, but the Cro-Mag that goes to try to kill the mammoth falls to the ice and is gone. And the two other ones uh, after the party, they say, "Oh, we're gonna pass on civilization." And they're the you know Slay and Fred are confused, and the uh, Neanderthals say. Seems like the point of civilization is to get someone else to do the killing for you. Again, very, very like overt uh, criticism. They're just like, this is, you know, yeah, well, yeah. this is accurate. <laughs> but uh, Wilma gets so Wilma uh, while she's doing this hand painting, she gets a spot at a art show with her weird uh, paintings, and she's placed next to the toilet, and everyone's snobby towards her, Pfft, like the world need another cave painting. It's our retro, it's daring. Yeah, we get it, sweetheart. Huh. I like when they yeah. when they walk away from her, they say, I'm bored, let's take our challenging commentary elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, we should we should also point out that we're skipping most of the jokes because they're they're mostly very like in the background. Like every place name is a pun on a real place in real life. Star bricks. Yeah. Outback Snake House. Yeah. There's just so much like that or um, just little references even, here like, and there, They too. keep up with a lot of the small animal jokes, like how Mr. Slate has a slow turtle that walks around, and he tells it to bring them ice cream, and the ice cream melts by the time the turtle gets there. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely uh, Flintstones as humor here. It's not oh, just, yeah, like... definitely. And so, um, Fred, as he's defending the woman, saying, hey, I, yeah, these paintings suck, but you're insulting my wife. And the woman's like, what? You hate my paintings too? And uh, she explains to Fred that uh, basically... That whenever a person became an adult in her family, they'll put their handprint on the wall. And um, even if that person didn't come back, they'll always have the handprint to remember them by. And she says that the handprints aren't just handprints to her. They represent everyone she's ever loved. And it's her proof of her place in the universe. And Fred says um, he feels like he finally understands her for the first time. And that maybe uh, Mr. Slate was right and there's such a thing as fate. Which I thought was pretty beautiful. And yeah. uh, the, the, the truth of the framing device, this whole issue was this museum and this uh, tour guy is, is, is introducing these people to this Neanderthal exhibit, and they have a frozen Cro Magnon uh, Neanderthal. Uh, Neanderthal. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry, you know, uh, old ways die hard. They have frozen Neanderthal, and it's the one that got frozen uh, trying to kill a mammoth. And he got, because since he, Mr. Slay was fucking him, he gave him like his jewels and stuff. Everyone in the museum thinks uh, he was the owner of the quarry, so Mr. Slate can fuck off. He don't remember <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. So, and that's the first issue. Yeah. yeah. And I thought after the first issue, I was like, "This is cool. This is a cool book." Yeah, it's really interesting. And then, so that's the one on uh, like just the modern society. Career. It's like work and racial and the, humor. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get into the consumerism <laughs> issue. So this is uh, on the news, on the Stone Age news or whatever. They're yeah, like, somehow, somehow they get television broadcasts. They do very Flintstones things where they're like, we have this modern thing. How does it work? I don't know, but here's the news. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it turns out there's a new craze of people selling something called crap. <laughs> and... See, it's just it's so deliciously heavy-handed. Yeah. 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 I, I, it was... I'm not gonna lie; it was too heavy-handed for me. Oh See, yeah, I don't think it would work. As maybe well. I'm the uh, you know capitalist piece of shit bourgeoisie, <laughs> but like, it was like a little too much for me. Like better to 
for me, better to show that these things have flaws than to just be like, isn't it the worst? Like, modern society, guys. I think guys. in a humor book uh, that it makes – like, this is a, a humor book first and foremost. That's and true. For a comedy, I guess I guess you have to do that. I mean, you can do subtle humor, but it, it, again, it's framed in the Flintstones universe. So it's like – it's going to yeah. be yeah. Like weird if you're trying to be like both quiet with it in a universe where people use alligators to mow their lawns and stuff. Or goats, That's true. Actually. And I, I feel like if it was more subtle, it would come across like trying too hard for me. I like that. They really, lean... this didn't come across as trying too hard. No, I think this leans into the comedy more. I, I think, I think if it was more subtle, uh, this book would uh, another thing about getting attention and capitalism. You see, ironically, this book has to be the Flintstones. It has to be heavy-handed in order to get marketing. So capitalism is a cause of this book, Ryan Phil. So you're probably <laughs> capitalist in this book. But, 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 but like, if this book was more subtle. It wouldn't have retweeted on like on 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 Twitter and people saying, "What the fuck are they doing with Flintstones?" Like this, these fucking. And we probably wouldn't be doing it right now. Yeah, exactly. This is this is going viral because there's so many moments oh, where people. This is will... too meta. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like, your precious capitalism created this problem. So. <laughs> your, <laughs> your precious capitalism. Hey, without capitalism, we wouldn't be talking on these mics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, so they start buying. Fred starts buying a bunch of crap, um, like uh, Power Goat, which is a goat that it's like a weed whacker. A uh, bunch of people buy the TV, all this stuff. Um, and they also, this also, I forgot, this is a critique of religion, too, in this episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. In this issue. They go to the Church of Morp, and the Morp is this bird. And they're like, oh, in the past, Morp led us to, you know, help guide the tribe. Um, but Morp now is is a, used for... <laughs> <laughs> someone someone <laughs> rocking around? What the fuck are they doing out there? This is the construction. It's the quarry. Yeah. You're outside Slate's quarry. Yeah, we're, we're, we're ambient, ambient noises now. Like, right now, uh, Phil's imitating the uh, Slate's quarry to give us the ambience for the yes. story. This is the working man's play. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Morp is now used for a uh, uh, consumerist purpose of a record player. So, like, we can't worship him anymore. Um, and so, basically, Fred and Barney have this discussion about buying crap because... It's expensive to buy all this new crap, but they both want to impress their wives, especially Fred. He doesn't want to let Wilma down. Um, so someone overhears this, and they're like, oh, you need money? Well, you could be a salesman for these new vitamins that people need. Um, it's Alex Jones, actually. He's uh, selling his vi- new He's selling super male vitality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and Barney's like, I don't really want to, but um, they go off to both do this. And Barney ends up selling loads of the vitamin because Bam Bam is super strong. And Bam Bam's his son. If anyone's not familiar with Flintstones, oh yeah. yes, it's Barney's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, yes. And um, Fred doesn't sell any. He sells one bottle this whole time, and so he's a failure. He makes like no money off this. It's like one of those knife selling scams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's and, any kind of like semi pyramid scheme kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And ba- we basically go back to the the church. It's the church of An- the reformed church of animism, yeah. uh, and they basically are debating over what kind of god they should have, and they pick a new god. Um, a, a pink elephant named Peaches. Yeah, turns out that elephant is a vacuum cleaner that they sell. Yeah. So it's it's like, oh, I guess none of these gods are, are real or worth worshipping. I love the ca- idea that, like, prehistoric people are choosing religion totally arbitrarily because there's yeah. no tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to, like, really suspend disbelief for the whole thing. You're just yeah. like, ah, I don't know how this works. I mean, this is also a world where a pink elephant is a vacuum cleaner, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um... Fred's just flipping out about not making any money from these vitamins, and he basically tells Wilma, you know, I can't afford all this new stuff, the crap, and I'm sorry if I'm disappointing you. And she's like, I don't need all this stuff to be happy. I need love, and I'm with you. Um, and the the issue ends off with them going to the store, and they're like, I want to trade in all the stuff we've been buying. 
and they trade it for uh, a completely useless product where the the owner's like, this guy doesn't do anything. It's just the purple dinosaur. And he's like, perfect, we'll take it. And it's Dino. It's Dino! Yay. Also, the religious guy, who's my favorite character throughout the whole all the books, the, <laughs> yeah. the creature guy, he's just so awful. But he ends up discovering a new god. Uh, and using a blank sheet of paper to show like his a friend what it represents. So when he shows it to the masses, he shows an empty chair, and they're like, uh, where's the god? And he goes, uh, it's invisible. Then they ask what's his name, and he's like, oh, I hadn't thought that far. Uh, Gerald? So from then on, people just <laughs> refer to God as Gerald. They're like, ah, oh, Gerald, yep. damn it. <laughs> yeah. All right, so, on next, so issue three is about uh, middle school science day with uh, Bam Bam and uh, Fred and Wilma's kid, Pebbles. Uh, Pebbles. Uh, Barney, my Pebbles. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> so, uh... uh Carl Sagan, not uh, Carl Sagan. He but... looks so much like Carl yeah. Sagan. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much Carl Sagan. And, and, and yeah, it's um, clear he's wearing a turtleneck. The writer also in uh, Prez, when uh, the guy picked his cabinet, he pretty much picked like real, like pretty much uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Slavoj Žižek on his cabinet. So <laughs> it's one thing this writer does a lot. He just has real people as real intellectuals like show up as intellectuals in the stories. I think having it be Carl Sagan is fun. It is fun. Okay, so he's giving this. He's giving this science lesson, and I love this lesson so much because he's at first he's like, "Isn't it amazing, students, that there are literally hundreds of stars in the sky?" And then he says, he gives, he's like, "Now some people think that the Earth is just a wet rock that floats around the st- sun, which is obviously ridiculous." And then Pebbles goes, "Well, then what is it?" And he's like, "We're we obviously live on the top of a giant turtle." And Pebbles goes, well, then what does the turtle do? And he goes, oh, duh, he floats around the sun in space. <laughs> yeah, they, they always do this throughout these issues, especially the ones with Carl Sargon, where he's like, he's really advanced for his time, but he also has like a really stupid belief in, in whatever. Yeah. And so uh, it turns out they have a space program and where they launch <laughs> a chimp into space. This and it looks so dumb. Using a seesaw. <laughs> it looks like a chimp like like in the U.S. program. You know, it has a white outfit and everything yeah. else. But instead of going to space, he just uh, explodes in the atmosphere. Yeah, they dies. just catapult him. <laughs> yeah. And so then if, uh, advanced aliens then show up uh, just just to catalog humanity. They want to put him on like Galactopedia or yeah. something. Yeah. And so, uh, meanwhile, Fred and Barney, they're at their vet's meeting, and they're focusing on the, the war against the tree people uh, who they genocided. And um, and they talk about how they were hailed as heroes after they killed uh, these tree people, but then they couldn't keep their jobs after the war. And one of them, Joe, is really suicidal, and he's like the most uh, fucked up, uh, traumatized out of the bunch. And he calls the veteran suicide hotline, and they just keep him on hold for, like, hours. And again, yeah. like, this, it, it's not... It's both dark, but they're still making light of it because uh, the joke is when he calls it, they say, you've reached the veteran suicide hotline. Please hold. And they said, okay, but this hold music better be pretty damn good. <laughs> and they said, like, they're like, your impending suicide is important to us. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the aliens come back, but this time it's galactic break. Woohoo! And so like, it's just a bunch of teen aliens trying to trash bedrock. Because they, like, found it on Galactopedia as, like, a new spot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess there's a commentary on the shitty fucking jocks going to places uh, like Mexico and say, yeah, we should build a wall, Trump, build a wall, Trump, <laughs> while they're in Mexico. And so... Yeah, and like just polluting everything. Yeah. And so they throw up in Fred's house and when Fred and everyone else starts getting pissed off, 
and call the police. The, 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 the aliens actually start murdering cops with a death ray app they have yeah, on the like, phone. And this is the first appearance of Yabba Dabba Doo. Yabba Dabba Doo! But it turns out uh, Yabba Dabba Doo is something the vets created as as a way to cope with their PTSD. It's a nonsense phrase. Whenever so it, gets, it helps them get... focus it. Like one of the vets is like, when I, when I see my ex-wife with her new boyfriend or like when I hear... What does he say? He's like, when I hear like someone like bump their shopping cart into me at the store, he starts get he starts hyperventilating and getting like flashbacks and yabba dabba do helps them ground themselves. <laughs> you can yabba, yeah. you can yabba dabba. That's why I love like so much of this humor is both like it's dark and kind of absurdist. Yeah, Th- that's I think that just speaks to me. I just really like this kind of humor. Well, you also you also liked uh, Predator vs. Archie and that was black humor yeah. as well. Like, yeah, it's dark, but it's it's funny. And so, um, Pebbles and Bam Bam, they go to the planetarium where Carl Sarkin is while everyone's getting murdered. And, uh, this, this is, is new... one of my favorite jokes in the entire book. You want to say it? So, Fred and Wilma are home watching TV, and it's two guys on the news, and one goes, these aliens are killing people with impunity. <laughs> and the other broadcaster goes, or, to be fair and balanced, they're stimulating the funeral economy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, Professor Sargon, uh, he wants to hide until the bullies just leave. Uh, Bam Bam just wants to fight. And Pebbles wants to tell them to the other aliens. And so the vets uh, start yelling, Yabba Dabba Doo! And start taking the fight to the aliens with rock guns. And Joe gets murdered in the fight. And Poor Joe. This was sad. Poor Joe. He, he, he was going to kill himself, and then they slip a note under his door telling him, We need you, Joe. So he goes out to fight, and gets blasted, vaporized, and never comes back. Well, now back. he gets to rest in Valhalla, because he died in battle. Yeah, he dies in honorable battle. Yeah. And so the alien mothership uh, comes to pick up the kids, and they leave uh, a game warden uh, on Earth to uh, watch over so not, no shit like this happens ever again. They call him the Great Gazoo, which is a really a reference I didn't expect. Yeah, I didn't expect it either. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense now when you look back and there were little green aliens, you're like, oh, okay. If, if, if people didn't watch season four of the Flintstones, the Great Gazoo was an, a strange alien man that only Fred could see for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and you wonder why Flintstones got canceled after season four. Yeah. But, but uh, then they say, we're going to honor our hero, the town says. We're going to honor our hero and unveil a new statue. And everyone's like, oh, it's going to be Joe. But no, it's the fucking chimp that died yeah. in the fire. And Fred's like, finally, they'll respect the soldiers. And now it's the chimp. There's, yeah, there's yeah. a constant theme of that throughout this, that vets are not treated right. Which is, well, you can't say that's not true. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying any of this isn't true. This is, this is not actually society. We're actually living in liberal utopia right now. So life is it you. too direct, Phil? Is that it? <laughs> no. I, actually, I will say, for all the stuff that I was, like, a little iffy on, the, the vet stuff was my favorite. Like, the all the all the stuff having to do with the tree people war was my favorite part yeah. of the well, book. What is that, issue five? Yeah. yeah. And so I think it, it did a lot to flesh out uh, Fred and Barney. Because, oh, like, yeah. now, now they're, like... Their complaints are, are like like a vet being mistreated after war and dealing with PTSD. That's something everyone can immediately sympathize with. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I think they flesh out everybody. Like, I liked in, in issue one, like, the Wilma stuff with her tribe and her art and stuff. Like, What's really cool is they they continue to call back stuff that they made. Like, um, in issue two, hanging up in Betty's house is a Wilma hand painting. And she also continues to do art stuff throughout the series. It wasn't just, like, a one-off, like, this is what Wilma does, and then they forget about it. It's like, this is her character. Yeah. Or like, or like the Simpsons nowadays. Like they did an actual Flintstones show. Yeah, I know. I mean, this feels more like a. I know, like yeah. this felt more like a Flintstones world than I got in watching the show for years as a kid. Yeah. Okay, so issue four. It starts a thousand years ago, where a saber-toothed tiger is 
watching a bunch of Cro-Magnum men, right? They're not Neanderthals yet, I don't think. And they they make a conscious choice to be domesticated because they're like, we could either starve or join these, like, what do they call them? Like, hairless apes or something? Deformed apes, yeah. Yeah, deformed ape. Hairless apes is a Howard the Duck thing. Yeah. So, and then it cuts to the modern day and some of the animals are still, like, really... They, they still look at willing appliances as, like, race traders and they're, <laughs> like, mad about... Like, they're like... You know, we're all slaves, but you don't have to be happy about it. And they're mostly judging Dino for it. Yeah, because Dino's, like, carefree and happy and their favorite. Yeah. And they, they just, like, he's he's a dog. They treat him like a dog. Uh, Fred, you know, Fred and Wilma and Pebbles, and they just play with him. And so, at this point, the TV is, the news is talking about marriage. And apparently, in this world, marriage is new, and society views it as an immoral threat. And they and they even say it's an immoral threat, and they go, "Why?" And he goes, "Because it wasn't around when I was a kid, <laughs> so it's a threat <laughs> yeah. to our lives." Again, very just like direct, no nonsense. Yeah, I wonder what they're talking about. Reference to this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like them trying to like veil it in any way. It's just like here's what I feel. This argument boils down to. Yeah, and then it gets even more heavy-handed when Fred and Wilma go outside and they're packing the car because they're gonna go on a marriage retreat without the kids. And the neighbors go, oh, married people, disgusting. Go back to the sex cave like nature intended. <laughs> I like the idea of the sex cave. <laughs> yeah. And it's you immediately get this view like, oh, I get it. It's, this is gay marriage. It's gay yeah. marriage. And yeah. this is another joke that I know it doesn't matter, but this is the kind of thing when we're talking about like star bricks and stuff. Pebbles is where... Uh, oh, this is great. I was going to bring this up. Okay, yeah, go for it. Oh, the, Pebbles is... Pebbles wears like... Because she's a teenager. She listens to like a lot of alternate music and she's wearing a shirt that just says nick cave man <laughs> and like it's just it's just there's lots of jokes like that that you just have to kind of read yeah like um she was talking to this record store guy that was wearing a silly hat and on this shirt it was devonian but it was devo dash <laughs> which is oh, it's clearly a devo hat yeah there's a lot of a lot a lot of little brand things or name things that are yeah. just like supposed to be references so yeah. now i think this might be the most heavy-handed thing in the whole book, but I like it anyway. I don't care. So as Fred and Wilma are leaving, they they say, like, this is the first time we've ever gone away without Pebbles, and, like, she'll be fine. She's staying with Betty and Barney. And they pass their friends, who've also been thinking of getting married, two men named Adam and Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that, that's... Again, like, the book consistently is very obvious with what it's trying to do. So I, at no point am I like, this is, like, this is too much. It's, like, it's always too much. You're always, yeah. like, prepared for it being this heavy-handed. Yeah. Like, if, if, if this was trying, like, uh, I would agree with Phil more if it was trying to be subtle and it was failing to do so. But, no, it's, like, obviously going for yeah. over the top. Yeah. Okay, I, I can dig that. There's another great billboard. This time it's just for the concept of agriculture. The food just pops right out of the ground. <laughs> so the marriage retreat that they go to is a hippie circle, and it's the religion guy, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah it so, always is the religion guy. So the religion guy has the guitar, and they're doing like the whole kumbaya thing, and he's talking about how they're the future, and monogamists are pioneers for like a new way of life. And they have, like, all these cliches. There's a cliched old grumpy couple that have been married for 30 years. And they're like, like most early adopters, we got screwed. <laughs> and there's a young couple that are, like, so in love that they can't imagine a world where they're not together. But they don't understand the point of monogamy yet. They're like, yeah. why do we or have why marry? to get married? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can just live together and stuff. 
Yeah, like, they don't see the need because they're like, we'll just feel this way forever. Like, why do we need the government to tell us or whatever? And this is, I think, oh, this scene really worked for me. So he asks Fred, what worries you? And when they're talking about marriage, and he says... You have to do a Fred voice okay, line. <laughs> that, Wilma, that Wilma will stop loving me. Marriage is like insurance. You only enter into a lifetime commitment because you're afraid of the future. But does being married mean she'll love me forever? Or is it just my attempt to keep her from finding someone better? Is marriage really a sacred bond? Or just the illusion of security? And the thing that I love so much about this is he says this in the circle, in front of everybody, including Wilma. And I feel like... Because he's this, like, gruff, like, everyman. He frequently, like, opens up and is, like, really vulnerable in front of people. Like, especially when he talks about, like, the war. And, like, that's not an archetype I see often. Yeah, especially if you think, like, a caveman or a guy of Fred's stature. You're not going to assume it's someone that's, like, open to emotions. But I, I, think, th- I think throughout this series, though, he doesn't act really much like your average uh, yeah. blue-collar worker. He is, like, more like a... Like, the thinking man, the enlightened yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's like the enlightened man throughout these issues. And that's the thing that, like, when you think Fred Flintstone, like you said at the very beginning, when I saw that Fred Flintstone jawline, I was like, oh, God. But, like, I feel like this is so... He's such a real character. It's bizarre. And it's just like, this is probably one of the most um, I don't know, insightful commentaries in the whole series. Because, uh, like, there's a fear probably a lot of people have, like... That their loved one will stop loving them. Yeah. Am I getting to marriage just to make sure that they can't leave me? Yeah, because in theory, like, you shouldn't, like, marriage doesn't have to happen at all because we don't, especially because we don't, like, sell property this way anymore yeah, or, yeah. like, have, like, dynasties this way anymore. So, like, marriage you know, is like it's essentially, nowadays, it just makes it harder for someone to leave you. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's also, like, a, it's a public statement, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I'm not. I mean, like, I'm engaged. I'm not saying that like there's no, no place for marriage, but like, it's it's putting it in this context where it's before all that stuff. It's like they're asking. This is before there was kings and queens, and you know, like, uh, yeah. what are those called when they give you a gift? When dowry. You get yeah, dowries. Before all this stuff, they're saying why? That's would not you a get gift. Married? That's a price. No, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. They actually did have a dowry. Uh, yeah. Wilma. A, Wilma had, was worth a few goats or something. Yeah. There's a yeah. for uh, three goats, and uh, Fred tells her, "Honey, you are worth every goat." <laughs> <laughs> but like societally, that's not the structure that the yeah. society has. Yeah. And this like super honest, vulnerable moment leads to the uh, the host, the the preacher guy, just being like, uh, well, that's great. We we also have zip lining. You guys want to do that instead of have this conversation? Yeah. So then we get another scene of the appliances. And now that the family's gone, they're like, what happens to us if they never come back? Like, are we free? And they're like, no, they could come back at any moment. Like, please, dust me. Like, we have to be ready to do our job. And the, the pink elephant from before, Peaches, the vacuum elephant, becomes friends with Fred's armadillo bowling ball because he's the first one to ever let him out of the closet. Yeah. There's and, commentary on him. Wait, oh my god, he's, he's pink and he's coming out of the closet. I didn't catch that, that subtle commentary. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't get that. I either. didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know his attention. I think it's kind of funny. So, I, and, and I know I'm harping on a lot of little things, but there's just so many, there's so much good stuff in here. Like, uh, Pebbles is now with Barney and he's betty and barney are like what do you learn in school and she's like well right now we're learning the unit on sitting still and shutting up and barney's like yeah those are the things that got me where i am today yep 
And we get a conversation between Pebbles and Bam Bam where he asks, do you ever feel strange having married parents? And Pebbles says, not really. I don't really have anything to compare it to. But why only two parents? And Bam Bam goes, so you could get a second opinion. Which is like a real Flintstones joke. Yeah, Yeah. and then behind it is the real serious joke where it's Bedrock Middle School, home of the Fighting Tree People, the people that they killed to form Bedrock. Oh, I didn't even notice that. I love that. that. It's like a a Redskins joke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was like, Jesus. I saw that too. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. good. And they go even deeper with this concept of marriage where their professor, Professor Sargon, is explaining all the forces of the universe between atoms bonding, cell theory, formation of civilization, as a response to the universal force of loneliness, that nothing wants to be alone. Which, like, is on the nose, but I was, like, eating this up with a spoon. (laughs) Yeah, this is a good issue. Yeah, and then the, the preacher... Uh, is trying to it cuts back to Fred and Wilmette and the preacher is trying to justify marriage to them and he's talking to the young people and he's like don't you want the man to support you when you're old and ugly and if she gets pregnant don't you want to know that you're the father and the young couple are like that seems terrible and yeah. Fred and Wilma are very uncomfortable by this so they play a uh, the all three couples play a role playing game where they're like pretend one of your partners dead what do you do? And like the young couple cr- are crying. The old couple are fighting about life insurance. Fred and Wilma are just really uncomfortable about this whole thing. Like they kind of just want it. They're just getting married because they, well, they're married because they love each other and that's it. And I, they like don't recognize all this baggage that society's putting on the marriage. Yeah. The preacher's an idiot. And she's like, this is kind of creepy. Just pretending that her husband's saying, and the preacher says, oh no, tell him what he meant to you. Now that he's gone, he's your love, yeah. your husband, your boss. And she's like, what? Yeah, and then he goes on and says, well, marriage helps society continue because men provide labor and make all the decisions and women provide babies. And Wilma's like, I don't know if this marriage thing is like, I don't like what you guys are saying. Yeah. And at this point, an angry mob shows up and they're protesting the marriage, the marriage, and they're holding up signs that says like one man plus one woman equals two weird. <laughs> yeah. And God hates dads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And at this point, the angry couple, like, start working together because they're like, you can't talk to my wife this way. And basically the host pleads, like, you know, we're not making you get married. Just respect our right to succeed or fail on our own. And then so everyone's like, oh, you're right. And it's all understanding. And then Adam and Steve are like, we got married. And he's super (laughs) against it. And Wilma says, well, what about that plea for tolerance you just had? And he said, I was in the minority then. (laughs) I can't be tolerant now. Which is like really good and then he's like why should they get married they can't breed and fred tells a story much like wilma's story about the cave paintings and it's done like with flashbacks and everything and he says i grew up in a tribe of hunter gatherers life was a struggle it wasn't always possible for people to take care of their own kids the non-breeders gave our tribe extra hands to help with the children having them around often meant the difference between life and death our tribe maybe even our species wouldn't have made it without guys like adam and steve that's the sort of thing a human being remembers or ought to. And it's like all these scenes of like a baby Fred being helped, like climbing hills and stuff by like gay men. And the preacher walks away and he goes, wow, I guess I got a lot of thinking to do, but I probably won't. (laughs) (laughs) Which again, it ends on like a dark note, which I appreciate instead of trying to be like, this is so impactful. Like everyone in the world is changed by what they say. 
like all these quips are being obvious but this world is still being allowed to continue as it is because no one's changing like everyone just accepts it as it is Fred yeah. and Wilma actually have very little impact on the course of their stories if you notice yeah that's, yeah. What, that's what I like because a lot of people don't have impact yeah and life. so at, at this point Fred and Wilma are talking and Fred's like do you even still want to be married and uh, he he basically she's like no I, I still do I love you very much even though I don't like buy into these gender roles thing and she says well what about you and he says well to me marriage is about looking at yourself through someone else's eyes I've had to look at myself through your eyes for 15 years and you never once made me feel small or ashamed it's the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me and then they walk home together and they come in with pebbles they play with Dino and all the other appliances are like you traitor you've betrayed us yeah. how dare you roll over for them and that's the end of issue 4 which is easily my favorite issue of the 6 yep that one's my favorite too Mine might be the first one just because it's so, like, proletariat. <laughs> <laughs> I think my, my mine's this next one. But. The next one is is my second. I also like the marriage one a lot. Um, I think that the it does do a good job. Of, like at the end of every issue, they have like this uh, like powerful red moment. <laughs> Where it's like societal lesson. Yeah, it's, it's very. Um, I actually really like the structure because like it, it, this is one of the, the few examples of modern examples of single issues working. Like if you're buying this monthly of single issues, like it'll actually work because yeah. it feels like an episode of a TV show where it's part of like these characters growing, but it feels like a self-contained story. I think I could give anyone one issue of this and they'll be satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although depending um, on their taste, it might be. Well, yeah, I mean, you might obviously. have to choose your issue. A libertarian isn't going to enjoy that first issue. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this next issue is about an elections coming up, and it's between the mayor and this other guy. What was his name? Claude the Destroyer. Yeah. Yeah. Who's basically? <laughs> I love this line that they bring up to him, where like, uh, they're ha- they're both giving a speech. And the guy asks him, now you're called Claude the Destroyer, but isn't that just because you're the son of Mordok the Destroyer? Have you actually <laughs> destroyed anything? And he goes, Claude's name is not issue here. Lizard people are issue. Children of Claude, you shall taste the wine of victory. The lizard people shall be vanquished, and it will be easy. And then a the guy goes, he says the things I wish were true. <laughs> I actually wonder, like, it feels like Trump uh, has some influence in this story. Uh, Trump is a lot more influential in the second election that's going on the middle yeah, but, school president but even like uh, Claude like I found the oh, definitely this series has a lot of parallels kind of to Simpsons in its structure and like they do a lot of things where there's two congruent stories going on at the same time that are slightly like unrelated to each other that you can follow yeah. that's interesting because uh, when I was thinking about the comparison to Simpsons like I was thinking like because uh, Simpsons is kind of like Flint, uh, like Simpsons had a lot of Flintstones references throughout but like Simpsons was kind of like the spiritual successor to uh, Flintstones. Where yeah, it was Flintstones. Where it's like even down to Marge wearing a single dress with pearls around her neck. Just yeah. Like, yeah, but it was more like uh, self-deprecating. More like like Homer works at a nuclear power plant and he gets fucking bars of radiation stuck in his shirt, and then like uh, fish nearby get three eyes. Like it's darker human than, than Flintstones by far. Yeah, definitely. Like, it, it was more uh, about working class like. And willing to take it to dark territories than Flintstones was, yeah. and this seems like a uh, kind of a successor to that spirit of The Simpsons. I could see yeah. that. And a lot, of, a lot of the humor, like early Simpsons, actually it hits well, and there's a lot of visual gags going on in the background with the text or what the animals are doing. And yeah. in a way, it, it really does feel like a successor to Simpsons. I agree. Even though Simpsons is still going, but uh, it's, it's dead. It's spirit. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Anyway, um, so the other half of the story, other than the election, which is it, it's actually about the school election, but the other half of the story is about. Uh, hold on, one one quote I just want to give real quick. There, the politics in this issue is summed up to, for me by a line the newscaster says: "Your vote counts, whether you know what you're doing or not." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other half of this story is about um, Fred and Barney's past when they were involved in the war on the tree people and basically how they got roped into it because they're buying it. Like a lot of people are buying into the same sentiment that they bought into by, um, Mordok the destroyer. Yeah. And yeah. that, that war was like, I, I assume it's before Pebbles was, I mean, it's definitely before Pebbles was born. So it's probably like 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. And so they explain like Mordok gives a speech back in the past where he's like, we have to go fight the tree people because he says, maybe they eat kids. Yep. <laughs> and he's like, let's kill them before we have to find out. It's that maybe they're they've they're coming to sell their pinecone art, or maybe they eat our kids. <laughs> and just that idea, like that fear-mongering, it's like, well, I don't want them to eat our kids, so we gotta yeah. kill them. And he's like, let's kill them, plus free hats. And it's those hats that they that Fred wears when he bowls. Yeah, I forget where, but I'm pretty sure at some point they say, we have to kill them there before they kill us here. Or Fred says that when they're fighting. Yeah. Well, maybe Barney does. But when they're in like actual combat, they're thinking, like the reason we're doing this is to prevent this from happening, this battle from happening in our home. Yeah, uh, bomb them there before they bomb us here. So the yeah. thing that frames this flashback is Barney's like, well, you know, we fought in the war, and Fred goes, it wasn't a war, it was a genocide. Yeah. And then they, they explain to their wives that they're going to be enlisting. And Wilma's mad at Fred. But Fred's like, I'm doing it for the baby. And and then um, Barney tells Betty this. And she she's not sure what he's doing because they want to start a family. But he, Barney had seen an oracle that said he had slow sperm. The saddest part is that he signs up because of that. Like, but he also signs up because Fred is like, what kind, of, what, what kind of man are you if you're not willing to defend your family? From yeah, I like that Fred pushes him into it. And Betty, he hears Betty talking and she's like, I just wish we could have a family too. And Wilma's like, but isn't it enough that you're with the person you love? And she's like, I don't know if it is enough. Well, she says like, you're smart, you're an artist, like you contribute things. I don't do anything. Like, I'm just like yeah. a housewife. I just want a baby to have, spread my legacy. Yeah, she said she wants someone to pass her small world to. Yeah. yeah, and and like that to me is really, like they do a lot in very little. Like, yeah, Betty probably has the least amount of uh, focus out of all the characters. But that but... only makes this scene more impactful. Yeah, and like Fred says, like if you don't fight for the ones you love, what good are you? And mm. that's when Barney goes home and overhears this, and he comes back and goes, "Fine, I'll sign up." Yep, and then yeah. it jump it cuts back to the present with the the bully his his slogan is uh, vote for me or i'll punch you in the beef and it's basically just about him antagonizing like nerds into working form and they're like uh pebbles even asked him it's like why are you working for me it's like well i don't want him to punch me in the beef one thing i like is that they keep saying like exactly punch me in the beef and later on when he eventually gets punched he says oh no my beef yeah, <laughs> yeah that, like that's that a really good closure on that joke yeah yeah so then uh, it cuts back to the past and Fred and Barney enlist and they go through like boot camp training. And Barney's very reserved about it the whole time. And Fred's like pretty like a gung-ho all-American boy kind of. And, and you get like a very standard like uh, movie boot camp thing where it's like, you know, you, these are your brothers, your family in the battlefield. You're not fighting for ideals. You're fighting to protect the people, the men you're with. Unfortunately, he's not saying I'll make a man out of you though. Yeah. yeah. Back in the present, it... There's 
the debate going on between the the bully and another nerd, and they make fun of the nerd so that the nerd leaves. Uh, I just want to I want to read this. This is the most Trump thing I've ever heard that wasn't Trump. Yeah, well, his Trump kind of Trump hair, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he does. And the the bully goes, "It's simple. Nothing cool ever gets done because you're led by pukes and weaklings. I'm strong. I say and do what I want because I can get away with it. If I'm president, nobody will push us around. And if they try, I'll punch him in the beef. You think pork body over there is gonna protect you? Protect you? I mean, look at him. Yeah. yeah what are yeah. you going to do about this pork body? Cry? And he goes, probably. The teacher calls him pork body, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And the crying nerd drops out of the race. Yeah. Yeah, and Pebbles speaks up against them, and then everyone starts uh, cheering for Pebbles. Which show, shows you how unrealistic uh, this is and how it was before the election, because <laughs> the, the, the smarter woman uh, yeah. seems to win the day. Yeah. And then it cuts back one last time to in the past where Barney and Fred are fighting against the tree people, and there's like a big dinosaur fighting them that's the, the armored artillery. And he, like, they kill everybody. Yeah, and Fred ends up finding a doll on the ground, and he realizes the Bedrock citizens weren't fighting to protect their family. They, they were, uh, so Fred realizes because uh, they were saying this is an invasion force that was, that they were attacking. But Fred's like, Fred's like, uh, if, why would an invasion force bring their kids along? Like they were just attacking innocent people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Barney finds a child, like swathed in a blanket in a tree hollow, and it's Bam Bam. Ah. Another twist, just like the Great Gazoo thing, where it's like, yeah. oh, this is a clever way to introduce, like, more lore to the Flintstones. Because, like, Bam Bam's always been superhumanly yeah. strong. And the tree people in this are portrayed as being, like, actually super strong. When they when the Bedrock people first attack them, they, like, swat them away with their clubs and they go flying. Like, yeah. they're, like, yeah. they're really strong. And I, I love the way this scene is handled, too, because it's the flashbacks, and, then it, and it's him finding Bam Bam, and then it cuts to the modern day, and it's Fred and Barney... And Fred's like, I knew we would make mistakes, but I never thought we'd forget them. Same for me since that war. That day in the forest changed me forever, Barney. And then it's the panel of Barney bringing home Bam Bam for Betty, and he goes, me too, Fred. Me too. No, he says, me too, Fred. Me too. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> I also like it because as Fred's saying, I knew we would make mistakes, to his left on the TV it says that uh, Claude the Destroyer won in a landslide victory. <laughs> yep. Final issue is the mall one, right? Yep. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, so... Uh, it opens up with Fred and Wilma at the mall, and again we see more uh, really funny pun names like Panda Excess, Footlicker, <laughs> um, like Footlicker a lot. <laughs> yeah, Trans Pangea, Vegetable. Yeah. What's what's that? It's supposed to be a vegetable place, but they just they're like it's veggies, but it's just like bull and cow toes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we go back to Carl Sargon and the <laughs> yeah. su- the Hall of Science or Natural whatever Bedrock Hall of Science gets a, a grant to study moth breeding, and they're like, couldn't we have more scientists with this? And we see, uh, in fact, uh, Carl Sargon is firing the scientists to hire uh, the kids as interns. interns. He's, he's like, oh, I can get I can get free interns that on pay interns. And then he says, you guys are better with technology anyway, so it's like the aging out workforce. Yeah, and not only that. For it's, underpaid millennials. Yeah, for uh, you're aging out your workforce and getting unpaid interns to do the work of paid employees. Yeah, and we see on TV this, you know, this people saying, isn't civilization great? Uh, we have brain clubbings down, grand theft wheel down, and witch, <laughs> witchery down. Um, and how can you explain our piece of prosperity? Well, obviously people from Bedrock are just better. Um, so it's like, you know. More like Bedrock, am I right? You're right. Yeah. And 
Sargon buys a, a computer because they're computers, and it's an Epigus called the Applegus. <laughs> it, looks, it has like a uh, it looks like a uh, Apple computer like in structure, but it's just an Abacus. Yeah. Oh, also before this, there's a short scene of Fred after he gets paid. He 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 makes a big pile of rocks, and then he gets paid in an exact copy of his the pile of rocks he made, but it's all tiny. <laughs> and then he's like, I gotta relax after a brutal day at work. And him and Barney go bowling, and then his bowling ball, it shows him after work, and he's like, oh, I had a brutal day at work, because Fred, like, throws him into pins all the time. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, so, so uh, the bowling ball uh, says, like, it's a rough, rough day, but the He's talking vacuum, to the vacuum cleaner. The vacuum uh, says, like, uh, the thing that keeps him going is that... The pink the elephant ba- vacuum cleaner. The thing that keeps him going is knowing his friend the armadillo is on the other side of the closet he's in. And, like, they're they're supposed to be, like, analogous to Fred and Barney, that, like, their boss treats them like shit, so they just, like, relax with their friends, but in the meantime, they are also treating their employees like shit. Yeah, the yeah. great circle of strife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. this was actually my favorite part of the, all the things. It's mainly because of the writing that Armadillo is talking about. Or he thinks he's going to die down at the end of the bowling yeah. ball lane. <laughs> and he went, yeah, every time. And it's, it's just, it's extremely, like, weird and sad to do this to small animals, to, like, have this them give this analogy. It is, but it, it, is, it is sad. That's why it's funny, because, like, you never think about it when you're watching Flintstones. They're like, what is it actually like to be a fucking uh, record player your whole life? Well, okay, fun? this is a world where their toilets are pelican mouths. <laughs> I think Fl- Flintstones treats small animals even worse than Robotnik does. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, does. That, oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. He, he does upgrade them into robots. That's, That's right, That's I said upgrade. Cool. <laughs> robots, are better than, robots are better than organic. All hail our old robot overlords. <laughs> anyway, so uh, they're having this moth breeding time, and all the moths are everywhere, and um, Sargon is like, let me just check the ast- astronomy calculations, and he says, oh, shit, uh, a meteor is going to kill all of humanity in three days. Yeah. Um, so they tell they sell this to people, and this starts basically an end of the world scenario where people are like, "Well, fuck this." So the news that people leave. Mister Slate is like, "Hey, workers, um, we can have an end of the world party at my place." I consider I really... you my friends and family. Yeah. He says like, "I never focus much on family and friends because I was always focused on work." But I consider you my friends and family. So you guys can come over, and then everyone's gone. Yeah. Um, yep. The church falls apart. Religion doesn't work. They're like, "We used to." Be... Yeah, yeah. Great callback joke where it's the church is falling apart. There's. A guy that's like mad because he wants to go and club people again. And he ends up clubbing someone. And back in issue two, the priest guy was saying, "You need religion because all you used to do was club people." <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> and yeah, they're like, "God abandoned us. Let's go back to our old ways." The police are like, "Fuck it." Um, so they go to the mall, and by they I mean Fred and the family. Um, and Mr. Slate's basically having a martini watching with Philip, his turtle. I think it's his name, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Slow, just like this, Phil. Yes, exactly. Um, and he's like, you know, I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm afraid of dying alone. And maybe people will like see my sign one day and remember me that way. And Pebbles is like, please, Carl Sargon, just lie to them so that we go back to normal society. And he's like, oh, I was wrong. This, there was a moth messing with me. I feel sly, but then it turns out there was a moth that was fucking up his abacus calculations. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was two moths screwing on the abacus <laughs> yeah. that looked and like And one a of pebble. them says, call me later. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then we have some uh, really heavy-handed, again, like, commentary where they're like, we're going back to normal now. I hope we can all pretend we were, we're good people. Um, yeah. And they have this line that life being a series of mutually agreed-upon delusions designed to keep us from becoming ongoing accumulations of regret. Which I think is way too dark. <laughs> for... I will say my... 
now that this is over, the, the I think the reason I'm like not getting on board as much is because I do find it like too. It's like a lot of this commentary. Let me put it this way: I've heard this. I've heard a lot of these critiques from fucking like hippies that are like, uh, "Hey, modern society is really the worst thing. Look at what like we were so much better. Like, look at the Native Americans; they were so happy until we came and ruined everything." But in reality, like most of these people are really spending most of their happy times in benefiting from things like consumerism, like democracy, like. Uh, I, I, th- I, I think this is like talking cheek to a certain extent because you have Carl Sargon and he's a scientist, and and you have. This guy's other book, Prez, where a lot of his jokes were uh, he's getting Ilgras Kaisen and, and uh, Slavoj Zizek intellectuals. Like, uh, I don't think he's saying, like, uh, you know, this seriously, pre civilization is better civilization, but it's commentary on how, in a lot of ways, modern civilization is, uh, can be. It's flawed, yeah. Yeah. Can be yeah. viewed as more savage than, like, when we lived in caves and, like, just screwing each other in sex caves. Yeah, I think you're, the problem you're having with it is that it's too pointed and sounds too similar to the, like, half-baked, half-assed ideas of, like, you know, working really sucks. I don't even Like, let's know give up work. money. Wouldn't that be great? I hear yeah. this from people. They're like, what if we just stopped having money? But, the, like- but the thing is, it's not making those arguments of, why don't we just stop having money? It's like, it's just pointing out, it's like, hey, civilization seems to be based around getting other people to do your work. Yeah, I think stripping it down to such a simple world makes the points really poignant for me where it's like, especially like the marriage one, like, why do we need this? And like the moral of that issue is because Fred and Wilma want to be married. They want to be like, and like, I feel like even though they're like, oh, we have all this crap and stuff like they still keep the TV and watch the news. They still like it's not like they're I feel like the moral is like pointing out the flaws in it, but it's still like they're still using it in society. It's not yeah. that like let's just all get rid of everything. Like they don't free their slaves or anything. Yeah, I, I, I agree. With, I, I can see where Phil's coming from. Uh, if it was less absurd, and if I didn't know this writer more, I might have felt this way more. But yeah, because uh, uh, there are a lot of shit where they do have hippie bullshit messages, like, and then you know, and I hate that aspect when people just critique too much and don't give positive feedback it's just it's unrealistic because when you're just like isn't everything such a big piece of shit and you're like there there is actually this is a a much more complex topic than you can just it it is it is but i I think it's it's trying to make a humor out of the proletarian struggle basically yeah okay i i I can dig it i mean i I, i'm criticizing this a lot i did like it a lot i'm just like i i am always uh guarded when i see that kind of critique because phil hates comic books I think it's very fair to, uh, like, because I, I hate that myself. When people just critique, critique, and basically, if it's not perfect, it's not good, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't like when it tries to act like it's smarter than it thinks. Like, it, it has the world figured out, and, like, people have not figured it out. Yeah. Like, I don't like when comics are heavy-handed with those messages where, like, well, you know, if we only loved each other more, a lot of these problems would disappear. Which is, again, which is what this book doesn't do. It still shows, it's like, that people... Either they don't listen or they don't care or that it like the problems aren't solved that yeah. easily. Yeah, and Fred and Fred and Barney are just as bad to their to their pets as their owners are to them. Like there's there's lots of like flaws in the characters and everyone else too. Yeah, and I think one of the big things that stands is Fred is the one who's like saying like genocide and all this stuff, but he was the most gung ho to go to war in the first yeah. place. Like yeah. it shows how easily manipulated even the best of us are. And there's even stuff like Slate at the end being there, like, I invite you all to come over to my house because like I you've become my family and no one listens to him because they don't think of him as family. And then he's just sitting there lonely 
with what he has. It's like, it, he's not just a one-dimensional, like, I'm a crony capitalist bad guy. It's that he sacrificed too much yeah. to make bedrock. And he's doing what, like, what, what human beings in general as an entirety have done, which is we wanted to make our imprint on the universe. Like, Wilma, too. Wilma was trying her own way of making her mark in the universe because we don't want to be just uh, specs. Yeah, the handprints. Yeah. Literally, their mark on the universe. Yeah, like, all human beings want to do on a large scale is uh, make our handprint on the universe. Yeah. So, I think we all like this pretty much. Would you guys read Volume 2? Yes. I would. I would. Absolutely. I think when Volume 2 comes out, we will probably do it. I would hope so. I think this might be my favorite thing we've done on this whole show. No it joke. might be. I'm, I'm just trying to compare this between After the Varchies might edge it out. Yeah, Sly's always edging us. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. If I, I would love to hear more people's thoughts on it. So, you should follow us on Facebook or... Email us, divisiveissues at gmail.com. Or, and as always, you should rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. Especially subscribe. It helps the most. And I want to give a quick shout-out to the Comrade Radio Network. And I this week I want to recommend Tales from the Static. Because last week, Ryan... Not last... It'll be a couple weeks by the time this comes out. Ryan released a bonus episode where he like reflected back on some of his episodes before and it was really delightful and it was short so if you haven't checked out the show yet that's a great place to start and for uh i have to also quickly announce you should check out my new podcast called we'll get it right next year it's very funny and we just try to guess at what happens in the movie we bought a zoo i promise take my word for it it's very funny (laughs) i promise it's great uh our episode three should be out by the time this episode comes out and owen from classic schmastic is on it and it's delightful so you should listen it's on iTunes and all that stuff. No. Okay, fine. <laughs> and... Fine. I'm fucking quitting the show now. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Does anybody have anything else to say? No. Uh, nope. Cool. So, thank you guys so much for listening to Vi- Divisive Issues. I have been one man plus one woman equals two weird. I have been uh, Crow Magnon. I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, Neanderthal. Neanderthal. I've been just another handprint on the universe. And I've been your Lord and Savior, Gerald. Stay in continuity. Comrade Radio. Independent Podcasting Network.